And so I was thinking about this, you know, as much as we continue to argue about the Caleb Williams thing, is there ever a chance, is there a possibility that perhaps Carolina starts winning some games down the stretch? I was, I was thinking about this the other day because I know they weren't, you know, they were competitive against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in week 13. They got the saints now who have their own quarterback issues they're on the road in New Orleans, but still, Carol, that's not a guaranteed win for the Saints. The following weeks, they 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 play host to the Falcons again with Arthur Smith. I don't know. I'm starting to get a little concerned. Now, week 16, they have the Packers. I could see the Packers losing on purpose just to spite us. No, I'm kidding. They won't do that. The Packers still think that they're good. So we'll let them have that little thing for right now. Well, let, let, let them have their fun, guys. Just don't worry about it. Um, Jacksonville in week 17. Trevor Lawrence probably will be back at this time, but a lot of issues with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And finally, in week 18, the Carolina Panthers end with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I guess what I'm trying to say, and I'll cut this short right here, is like we're getting too worked up for something that might not even happen. Like, because I don't think that New England's winning another game. I really don't. And there is an opportunity for New England to sneak in and get the number one pick. And then Arizona gets the number two. Like, we don't know. And we should stop talking about it and just be concerning ourselves with the quarterback who is still on this roster. But we got so much more to go to, uh, so much more to get to, I should say. So, Sam, let's just start the show. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Adam Ray. The Sickest Chicago Bears and Fantasy Football Podcast. Brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Sports entertainment like no other. It's going to be sick. It is Wednesday night. You know what that means. It is time for Take It to the Rank. A lot to get to because the the Chicago Bears will be playing host to the Detroit Lions this week. So it's an epic, pivotal division game by the way uh, AEW is on tonight obviously the challenge of all the things I talk about that come on after this show I I fail to mention the challenge mostly because I watch it uh much later I don't get around to it until Saturday by the way if you're if you're not cut up on the challenge pause this I'm going to I'm going to put my hand up and then when my hand goes down you can listen again so if you're not cut up on the challenge stop listening right now and I will let you know when you can come back by the way Devin's the goat I love Devin so much. He is the absolute best. All right, everybody, come back. You can come back now. No more challenge spoilers. Um, So much. And, of course, uh, the Tape Never Lies Network will be on in about an hour and a half. Uh, Do before we bring on Carmen Vitale, I do want to take a a, a moment. Uh, As everybody knows that Las Vegas, the city of Las Vegas, is near and dear to my heart. I grew up rooting for the running Rebels. Uh, Larry Johnson, Greg Anthony, George Ackles, Stacey Ogman, those great basketball teams. What are the thrills I had? over like the last 10 years, 10, 15 years. I don't know. It's been a while. Uh, I got to meet Jerry Tarkanian, um, you know, in his final days. And I went down and I shook his hand and I, they were playing Cal State Fullerton. And I went down and I said, you don't have to say anything, coach. Um, I just wanted to shake your hand, been a long admirer of yours. So with everything that's happening with the campus at UNLV right now, I just want to let you know that we're thinking of you. Um, be safe. And I know we do have a lot of fans out in Las Vegas, so I wanted to let you guys know that we're thinking about you right now, and uh, we will continue to push on uh, and talk a little bit about the 
football season, what is going on right now. And, of course, to do that, joining us once again from FoxSports.com, it's Carmen Vitali. Sorry, Carmen, I'm butchering your name. I'm choked up a little bit. But uh, your latest piece uh, is on Jared Goff and the Lions' insistence or their reliance on their great offensive line. Uh, We'll talk about that in a moment, but I want to know, how are you doing? How's everything going for you? I'm good. And uh, echo your sentiments about Vegas. I will actually be there this weekend because I'm going to the Raiders uh, Vikings game, but I hope that everybody is doing well and safe. Yes. Uh, This is is the country we live in right now and it's, it's scary. So it is, it's a very scary situation. So it's been kind of weighing on my heart as uh, we're looking at that through social media and everything else. So everybody in Las Vegas, we're thinking about you. Carmen will be out there. That's going to be an interesting game before we jump into the bears. You know, as we transition to football as best that we can, Minnesota is in a real interesting spot. And I'm thinking about this, too, because like I got I got Devontae Adams on uh, my fantasy team. I sort of don't want to play him because I think Brian Flores's defense against a rookie quarterback is going to be a tough go. Where what's the deal with the Vikings right now coming off a loss against the Bears? How are they looking this week going up against the Raiders? Short answer is we don't know how the Minnesota Vikings are going to look because Justin Jefferson is coming back. And Kevin O'Connell said today that uh, Josh Dobbs is their starter for Vegas and or against Vegas. And he will now have the benefit of the best receiver in at least according to offensive player of the year standards last year. It's going to be interesting to see if that can really boost Josh Dobbs, um, especially when you consider that he's going to have another option to go to and maybe won't have to make some poor decisions like he did against the Bears um, la- like last time these two teams played. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be very interesting. I think that that defense is still it, – it, it's, it's really incredible to see the maturation of it throughout the season. I talked to Brian Flores before the season started just about what – we were going to see and what he was trying to do. And he's been able to do that and more into something that we've really never seen before defensively in yeah. the NFL. And uh, Kevin Seifert has a great piece on ESPN about where uh, the influences that Brian Flores takes with him into the NFL. And it's not, it's not from where you think it is. I won't spoil it, but it's not from where you think it is. And so it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. Is it from the premier league by any chance? No. Okay, no, 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 it's from college football. It's just oh, okay. school that you think it's from. That's all. I thought you were going to talk about Arsenal's huge win over Luton Town uh, on Tuesday evening. But in any event, I, we won't spend too much time talking about that. We'll be talking about the Bears and the Lions. Uh, obviously, the, the Lions were victorious in Week 13, kind of skated by the New Orleans Saints. I thought that game was kind of in doubt. They lost to the Packers, obviously, on Thanksgiving because that's what they always do. Uh, they escaped the Bears a couple of weeks ago. What it felt like a couple of weeks ago, the the Lions had a stranglehold on the division. Now it feels like they're just kind of scuffling by. What's changed for them? Injuries, injuries have changed for the Detroit Lions. That has it, across the board on both sides of the ball. What we're seeing, and, and the reason that I wrote that article was there have been multiple injuries now to the offensive line, and it it the health of that line directly affects how good of a quarterback Jared Goff is. You had the, the benefit of the full line for the first six weeks of the season. Jared Goff was looking like an MVP candidate at that point. And then you get the, the, the injury to Halapulavati Baitai. There we go. Big yeah. V. Uh, he goes down again. And then you have Jonah Jackson, who went out for a couple of games, including that game against the Bears. And it's, it's one of those things where that is, that is the determining factor for Jared Goff and therefore this offense's success. 
And then on the defensive side of the ball, the secondary does not look like it was supposed to. They fortified it in free agency with Emmanuel Mosley and CJ Gardner-Johnson. CJ Gardner-Johnson is says he's going to come back soon. We don't know if that's the case. Emmanuel Mosley is out for the season. So this is a pass defense that is struggling because they don't even have a rotation. They're starting yeah. the corner at this point. And against the Bears, they played 100%. The starting corners played 100% of the defensive snaps. Starting safeties played 100% of the defensive snaps. And then last week against New Orleans, they played 96% of the, of the defensive snaps. That's just, it's no way to live. And it, they're really one in, injury away from catastrophe at this point. You know, and uh, Frank Ragnow, I think, was on the injury report as well. Yes, now so you have a, that, which is going to be, oh, hey, I think, even bigger than most that's because the worst, he's yeah. center. Yeah, that, that would be the worst for them if he's unable to go. Obviously, yeah. it's Wednesday. We'll we'll figure this out on Friday, uh, mm -hmm. what his final designation is. But, yeah, that was the one that – that's really a tough one to overcome. But you talk about the defense and the way that the secondary has been banged up. And uh, I'm going to throw you for a little bit of a curveball because okay. obviously going up against Brian Flores – they determine like we're going to throw a thousand screens and this is the way we're going to try to move the football. We want to, uh, you know, kind of take away some of the pressure with the lions secondary as banged up as it is. Do we should, I mean, never assume with Luke Etsy, should we figure that the bears are going to try to push the ball down the field a little bit more this week? I would hope you would try again, especially late in the late in the game when these guys are tired out because they have been on the field for every single snap. That's there's an opportunity there to 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 really tire them out and to maybe make some plays and have your guys beat their guys just outright because they're tired. That's yeah. why it's so dangerous to live like the Lions have been living without this rotation because by the third quarter these guys are just exhausted. And that's not how it's supposed to be. So I think that there are definitely some matchups that you can exploit in that defensive secondary against the Lions. I don't know that that will happen until later in the game because I think they will. They come out really fast and they start fine and, and it's all usually good defensively. And, and, and then it starts to break down a little bit more. The, the other thing is they need to get a pass rush uh, to compensate for the secondary issues in Detroit. They have now lost Aline McNeil for at least four weeks. They wouldn't call it season ending, but he's not eligible to return now until week 18. And he is a very big cog in that defensive wheel because of the fact that he's the guy up front that's pushing the pocket. And he's one of the more underrated, I think, D tackles in the league. So how does that bode for guys like Aiden Hutchinson and John Kaminsky on the outside? trying to win some matchups. I mean, you can kind of afford to double them now if you don't have a Lee McNeil on the inside. Yeah. And it's one of the things uh, we were going to talk about coming in today is that the bears are still dead last in the NFL and pressure rate allowed by the offensive line. I thought that the offensive line was starting to play better, but have you seen, cause it, it feels like, and, I, and again, this isn't, this is coming from next gen stats. So I'm not going to besmirch that or anything, but the eye test, to me, it feels like the line is playing better, but the stats are not saying it. What's your read on the situation? Yeah, you also have to consider the fact that Justin does hold the ball longer than most quarterbacks do. So, of course, there's a higher pressure rate involved. And it, and that that also is taking into account, I'm assuming, the entire season. Whereas yeah. we've seen the maturation a little bit more towards the last couple of weeks, especially since Justin's been back, even with Tyson Bajant. But... And these are two quarterbacks that held the ball a little bit longer. So the pressure is going to get to them because, you know, it, 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 it happens after two, three, four seconds. But also, I mean, PFF has this line at, you know, their 20th and pass block 
mm-hmm. um, grades, which I think is up over, again, you're talking about the course of the season. So that's top two, two thirds. They're not in the bottom third of the league anymore for that. Yeah. Uh, and I think they're 26 in run blocking. So that still needs to get a little bit better. But the eye test for sure has shown a growth in this line as they found more consistency and continuity. Well, thankfully, I know where the guys who do the next-gen stats sit, and so uh, I will be making a visit. I wasn't in the building today. These reports, come. we get these reports on Tuesday night, and then I was looking at it, and I was like, what? I'm like, this just doesn't seem right. And so, obviously, I wasn't in the building today. I don't do the fantasy live show. And so, when I get back there tomorrow on Thursday, I'm going to be letting them know, like, I think this is incorrect, uh, and it'll be very much like me to do that. But we did talk about Justin Fields. He holds the ball for a little bit. But against the Minnesota Vikings, he obviously didn't have his best game. Uh, a couple of fumbles that were problematic. But he did make the plays at the end when he needed it. This is what we've wanted to see out of Justin Fields. You can go out. There's plenty of quarterbacks uh, throughout NFL history who have thrown interceptions or have done things that caused their team to fall behind whatever. But they rise to the occasion and they get it done. And this is something that we've wanted to see from Justin Fields. Do you think this is a like a turning point kind of moment, or is it still a huge concern for you? Justin Fields absolutely deserves credit for bouncing back from those two fumbles and for going and delivering that strike to DJ Moore that helped get them into field goal range and helped them win the game at the end with some really good clock management mixed in. He absolutely deserves credit for that. But let's not pretend like he had a really good game even before the fumbles. This, it was not super effective. It was, I mean, this this game ended with a 12 to 10 score. Right. The Vikings committed four inter- t- turnovers. Josh Jobs inter- threw four interceptions. The Bears only got three points off of those. One of those interceptions, they gave the ball right back afterwards because it was one of those fumbles. So yeah. I need, it's, I can't call it a turning point until you show me 60 minutes of good football, which is something that I've said from the beginning, when Justin, you know, had, especially against the, in, against the Broncos, when he had that great first half and then kind of tapered off in the second half, now we're seeing the inverse where you, you struggled for a lot of the game and you, you, you came in when it counted and you were able to win the game. And that is absolutely something that Justin Fields deserves credit for. But you should have been way more comfortably ahead at that point to the point where you could afford to have fumbled the ball or that kind of stuff. I mean, they really almost lost that game. Minnesota did more than their fair share to lose that game. And against a better team, that stuff is not going to fly. But I thought that the, the Minnesota Vikings were playing well. We've seen Justin do this, you know, against the commanders. He had four touchdowns against the Broncos in that game. He had four touchdowns against the commanders. We've seen instances, especially going back to last season, where Justin Fields has been amazing, where the game's been awesome and he's gone for a lot of yards and he's had a lot of points scored and everything, and then they lose. This was finally, again, the inverse. I I kind of like I I will take that. Like if Justin Fields just wins. Yeah. Cause, cause, and it's funny, too, because a lot of the people are like, quarterback stats only matter when it goes against the case for Justin Fields. Like when he wins, like when he when he plays well and they don't win, everybody's like, oh, this quarterback sucks. He can't play. And then you're like, well, he didn't play well if they won. They're like, well, then wins aren't a quarterback. I'm like, I can't, I can't keep up with whether the wins are a quarterback stack. I'm just happy. Oh, I'm that- I'm firmly in the camp that they're not. I'm firmly in the camp. I, that they're not. But I I still sort of think that they are. It's a it's like a win in baseball, like a winning pitcher in baseball. Your team can win 
you know, nine to five. But as long as you leave a game while you're winning and a team never relinquishes the lead, you get the win. Yeah, but like this, think about how much more the game depends on the pitcher than it does on the quarterback. This is a, yeah. this is a team game for a reason. It's a team sport. Football is touted as this amazing team sport. You have to play complimentary football to win the game because, I mean, we've seen it with so many teams where – the offense, the, the early part of last season for the Lions, the offense was crazy, but the yeah. defense was terrible. So, like, it didn't mean that Jared Goff wasn't a good quarterback. It just meant that they weren't winning games because the team wasn't a factor. So, I just, I don't know how you can say wins are a quarterback stat when they don't affect, quarterbacks don't affect the game. They can't do it on their own. Right. You see, like, like it's like, it, I don't know. I just, I think that there is, there's, there's not a lot of credence to that argument that you can, count a win for a quarterback well they even if they did it well they do it for jordan love you know now now everybody wants to say quarter all oh, wins are the biggest quarterback stat there is no. now oh no well, i don't people I don't. love it people i've been saying that jordan love is going to be good you just need to give him some time you need to give his receivers some time you need to give that whole offense some time it wasn't sexy but sure enough they just needed some time i'm still waiting for it I'm still like, I am I crazy? Like he literally, like it looked like he was playing three flies up and I swear to you, he just launched the ball straight into the air and you're like, what is this? What is this idiot doing? And then like one of his receivers comes down with it. And I'm like, I'm done with this team. I'm done watching the, like, how, how does it always happen? Like that? I know that the Chiefs are because he's up. actually good. That's, That's not the a, point. That was not a good throw. That was not it was, a good It throw. was a good throw. It was it, a good throw. It he was, was dropped it. in a bucket. It was right where Romeo could get it and no one else. Romeo adjusted very well, but that's the chemistry that they need to have. That's, His decision to throw that ball was a good one. Matt LaFleur praised it after the game. Well, and yeah, it's fourth well, down. It's fourth down. You have to throw it, whether it gets picked or not. You don't, have to, you don't have to throw it all the way down the field, though. It was fourth and oh. one. You don't have to throw the ball at all. You could have just ran it. Well, then it was actually a bad decision because it was not a bad you decision. shouldn't be throwing. Listen, if it would have been, no, because if it would have been incomplete, they, this is what, see, this is, again, we've, this we've is, seen that from, we've seen that from Jordan Love for the first part of the season where, yeah, he did make those decisions. And you were like, why? But now it's starting to work and he's starting to figure out when to make those decisions and when not to. That's the point. That's the maturation. That's the decision-making. That is putting the ball in the air where it's supposed to go. That is getting through your reads and figuring out if that's the one to go for. I mean, like, I don't know what else you want from him. The way he's I, making decisions right now. I don't know. I, I just, I know, I know one quarterback who made a very similar decision a couple of weeks ago and everybody has crucified him for it. Like, why is he throwing a deep ball to Tyler Scott in that instance? I'm like, I don't know. And then now they can't talk about enough about like, oh, you got to throw deep in this instance. Like it is, it just feels unfair. It feel and I and listen and part of it and part of it's because the Packers have won for so long that people become accustomed to it and they just want to they 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 fear change so they just want to continue because like it doesn't matter Justin Fields could do whatever and like nothing like Rich Eisen's not going to go on Twitter and be like Jordan loves better than Aaron Rodgers like um I'm like you guys just have to stop and I'm just like he's fine like it was a it was a good game like he played well. Whatever the Packers win, he's been consistently playing he's, well the last few weeks. That's the thing here is we're seeing consistency. And I love it's not just that one play; it's that he continually makes better decisions and he makes better throws, and his receivers know where they're supposed to be, and this team is growing up together. I mean, that's consistency. 
It didn't happen in earlier in the season because they were all really young. He's throwing to first and second year receivers. He's not throwing yeah. to DJ Moore. He's not throwing to Darnell Mooney. If he was throwing to those guys, I think that this process would have taken even less time. Wait a minute. So if he was playing with the Bears coaching staff, all things. I didn't say that. I said oh, if he had better receivers. If he had better receivers. All right. Fair enough. Now we're talking about two different things. This all right. Two different things. Now. Okay. Well, here's the thing. If you could pick one of these guys to start a franchise with, Justin oh. Fields, Jordan Love. I don't know. I just. I You're just, acquiescing to the producers right now. Thanks I for knowing. And Sammy, I love you guys. They asked me to ask you this question. I want to know. Yeah. I'm I'm certain you would say Justin Fields because you're not a crazy person. You know I'm not going to say Justin Fields. You know I'm going to say Jordan Love. You know I'm going to say Jordan Love. Don't say Jordan Love. I am. You don't I'm have sorry. to do this. Like, what, he's, what he's shown over these last few weeks with, again, a, an Apache offensive line. It wasn't supposed to be that way. He was supposed to have a running back room that he was going to be able to rely on. Aaron Jones has been in and out of the lineup with injury. He's got first and second year receivers that he is elevating and he's been able to do it in two thirds, not even two thirds of a season. And you see the reads that he's getting through. You see his confidence in the pocket. He's stepping up in the pocket to deliver these balls. He's like that one touchdown to who was it? Dontavian uh, Wicks or Malik yeah. Keith. Like, one of the back of the end zone. Names that well because they're young, they're rookies. And like, to, to, to thread the needle that way and, and to deliver a ball like that. I mean, these are things that quarterbacks in their second, third, fourth years aren't even doing yet. And it's just, it's and, and to see him decide and realize what protections he has and to adjust it at the line and to be able to can't like you see more canned plays. You saw a bunch of them last game because they knew that new Orleans was going to do different things with their pressure looks and their yeah. blitz rate and their blitzes. So they, they gave Jordan love the option to do that. I just I haven't seen a command out of a guy like that in his first year very often. So I just think that he's going to continue to mature as his receivers continue to mature and his receivers know where the hell they're going. And I mean, yeah, like if you have plugged him in into an offense under Matt LaFleur uh, and given him Darnell Mooney and DJ Moore, this would have taken no time at all as far as I'm concerned. Well, it took four years. He's he's in his fourth year. I think it's important to note. Uh, I will also point out that, you know, since since the beginning of October, Justin Fields has had two games where he's thrown four touchdown passes. In his entire four-year career, Jordan Love, zero. Four years has not but done But he also yet. has the most three touchdown games in the league right now. That's fine. That's that's a different circumstance. When you're having to play catch-up <laughs> as much as he does, not really that big of a deal. No, I don't know. Four is the four is this. this four this is stuff. impressive. It He's, is, but I were, but were, Justin were, Justin's were, too volatile. He's too volatile the, right now. I think Justin is part of this situation that he's in. There is a lot of volatility caked in. But yes. and I said this, and I said this I'm coming out. Agreeing. And I I like Jordan Love as a prospect coming out. I really did. I, I really did. thought that. I mean. When you were looking between him and Justin Herbert and Tua Tungavailoa, I didn't think that there was that much of a drop-off to go to Jordan Love, even though he was a third-team All-Mountain West. I still want to know who the two guys who beat him at. Who are the who is the first-team All-Mountain West quarterback that yeah, sophomore season for Jordan Love? Because I was going to oh, was that Josh Allen? No, Josh Allen was already in the league. Okay. Um, I was going to say, when, yeah, if Jordan Love was sophomore year, I'm bad at math. Yeah, it, Jordan Love's been, yeah, Jordan, or, uh, Josh Allen's been around for a little bit, but at the same time, I still truly believe that 
Justin Fields is such an elite level prospect, especially going back to his draft. Now, obviously, Trevor Lawrence was going to go number one. There was no rat like it was it was not even there was no reason to even argue it because Jacksonville was obviously going with Trevor Lawrence. But I but I did think that he should have gone number two overall uh, for the Jets. For sure, the, the 49ers should not have passed on him. I was worried about the New England Patriots moving up to get him. I still think that based on talent and arm strength and everything that he's shown, I think that Justin Fields is still a better prospect. And right now, the results have not quite been there. And I think over the last couple of weeks, Jordan Love has played well. He's 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 good. He's, he's played well. They were they were three and six though. I mean, we can still like we've seen quarterbacks play through stretches. Even Justin last year had a very nice stretch. And we'll see what happens when teams start to adjust a little bit more for Jordan Love. Not saying that he's a bad quarterback by any stretch of the imagination, but he's he's right about where I've wanted him to be because when the Packers were three and six, I was starting to get concerned because I'm like, I don't want them to go into this situation where they're tanking now, where number one, they can either get into the mix for one of these quarterbacks or even worse, go for Marvin Harrison Jr. But now the, the Packers have won enough games to kind of take them out of that mix. The schedule's working out for them, although I do think the Giants beat them this week. Watch. It's going to happen. Don't act shocked when the Giants win this week. That is one of my bold picks. I really, I, I truly. I, who Jordan I, Love has I, won a game over at oh, this point. When he, when he, when the he. The last finds, two weeks were he, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Detroit Lions. The Lions that you just said had no secondary. You were just saying that, like this, yeah, this secondary, no secondary is dead. Yet. They're dead. The secondary is And they also had Ali McNeil and Aiden Hutchinson to start with. They're still not a bad team. Oh. That's just why why you can't. You asked me why well, no, you can't I, just give them the crown. And I'm saying I, that's I, why. And I agree. And listen. They're it'll still be a, a good team. And it'll be. Well, listen. It'll be a different conversation. If Justin Fields does not play well in this circumstance, coming off a bye, coming off a team that has no depth in the secondary, I, as a number one Justin Fields homer, will have some very definite concerns. I'm just really confident that Justin Fields is going to step up this week. But that would be cause for concern. Like, Justin should play well against this team. Jordan Love should play well against that team. He, he should play, play well, well against, against the Minnesota Vikings. He, like, again, that's a great have- That's a great defense. You know what? Part of it, too, like, they settled they for way three points off of turnovers. They get way too conservative. Go for it. Like, I don't know sometimes what... Well, then then Justin needs to go for it. At this wow. point, he's been in the league three years. Why isn't he audibling at the line and saying, you know what, DJ, just go. I'm going to get you the ball. <laughs> like, quarterbacks do that. There's tons I, of quarterbacks that do that. Like, guys overcome their circumstances. And ask, that's why I... Like, Justin is not entirely the problem. I totally get that. Right. And I, I've never said that that's the case. I absolutely no. think that this scheme does not fit what, George, what Justin is best at. And yeah. that that's a huge part of it. But I also like you you can't you have to at some point overcome these circumstances that you're put in. Look at CJ Stroud in Houston. He's a rookie and he's overcoming the fact that right. he doesn't have a good offensive line. He doesn't have good receivers. He's got a yeah, defensive minded head coach, tank, a first time yeah. play caller. Tank Dell he's, pretty good. Now he's yeah, injured. He is, but I mean he's young. Like you don't like you're not gonna put Tank Dell over DJ Moore, no. are you? No. Well, that's why. Well, that's why DJ. That's why DJ Moore is like killing it whenever Justin Fields is playing because his numbers are through the roof. I know this is a fantasy person, and by the way, the easiest way to play fantasy football <laughs> is with Underdog Fantasy. That's right. Go to UnderdogFantasy.com or better yet, download the app. All first-time users 
right now who use the promo code SICK will have their initial deposit matched up to $100. Go to underdogfantasy.com or better yet, again, download the app. There's a lot of cool games. There's like a, there's like, there's pick them games. They got a lot of contests for the playoffs coming up too. Underdog Fantasy is a great way to stay involved. And if your team's not playing as well as you thought they were, if your traditional fantasy team is not doing as well as you wanted it to do, you lost in your guillotine league, go to underdogfantasy.com right now and go sign up and have your initial deposit matched up to $100. I I really do believe, though, um, I, I don't know how if you could just be outright like, full-on Jay Cutler cursing out Mike Martz on the sidelines. Justin's playing within the game plan. Listen, I will even say, like, I wish he would have thrown for more. I wish he would have had more yards, touchdowns. I wish we would have punched a couple of those into the end zone. I would have been a little, I wish we would have been a little bit more creative, made, made some more deep shots, but you know what? Also, I'll take wins. So if Justin can mix in four touchdown games with some wins here and there, I'm all for it. Uh, but I still think that he's the better prospect and I will continue to say that even if things don't work out, because I think that if Justin does not, if Justin does not work out in Chicago, I think it's more a case of, we failed him more than he failed Chicago. And, uh, I, I will, both things can be true. I yeah. will die. I will die on that Hill. You know, it's interesting too, because I saw there was a report. I forget who put it out there and I don't know how much I believe this, but somebody was like, Oh, the, the bears have kicked the tires. I've talked about Eric B and to me, th- this seems like the kind of thing that you say because Eric Bieniemy was in Kansas City, Ryan Poles was in Kansas City. Right. I can't believe that there's much credence to this, honestly, as somebody who's like kind of over Matt Eberflus. But I still, you've always said all along that you feel like Matt Eberflus is going to return next season. Do you still feel that way? Yes, I probably feel a little less confident in saying that now, but at the same time, we have seen the the improvement on the defensive side of the ball. This is yeah. a team that is tied for first in fewest yards allowed on the ground. I think they're second in rushing yards per play allowed defensively. Um, their pass defense absolutely needs to step it up still. Uh, I think they're, I mean, they're, what, 20th? I wrote it down, 21st in uh, in passing yards per play allowed. But like their red zone defense needs to be a lot better. They're dead last. Uh, third down defense needs to be better. Sacks still need to be better. But we've seen an uptick in pressure rate since Montez Sweat got there. Yeah. And you see what, you know, what a true pass rusher can do in the system. And so you've seen the improvement on the defensive side of the ball, which is Matt Eberflus' side of the ball. Um, and, and I think it's been enough now. And if it continues on this trajectory, will be enough to at least keep him around another year. A big reason that I also said that I don't think they're going to part ways with him is because, for all we know, he has multiple years left on his contract. He's got at right. least one year left on his contract. And right. the Bears don't like paying for coaches that aren't aren't coaching for them. So I think that especially if they do end up bringing in a new quarterback, that there is a, there is a sense of like, okay, you can put everybody on the same timeline. Can that also include firing the head coach? Yeah, it can too. But yeah. I still just I, – I think that Matt Eberflus still has kind of a longer leash – um, given the fact that the defense has improved. Yeah, there is a, and again, you know, because Tyler keeps talking about this because the, the players talk about this all the time, or at least the guys in the receiver room, like they're not 100% out of it. You know, they are two games behind the seventh seed. Uh, they get to play those teams, uh, at least one of those teams again with green Bay. So the players are very mindful of like, yeah, we're not completely out of it. We're, we're one win away from, 
I mean, honestly, if they would have held on, so I we we talked to Tyler, and it's always and he he brings up the two games he brings up is Detroit, and he doesn't bring up the Denver game, which I think this the to me the Denver game is more egregious than Week One against the Packers. The Packers hurt more because it's the Packers, right. and that franchise sucks, and their fans are terrible. You're not saying that Adam Rank is saying that Carmen Vitelli does not. Car- these these views I don't, hate, are not, my, I don't uh, hate any of the fans I cover. Uh, I'm not going to uh, say anything bad about any of the fans I cover. Carmen loves your team. She roots. She's fair and balanced with everybody. Rank is not oh, fair. <laughs> Rank is not balanced. I'm fair. I'm just not balanced. And I think mm. by now we, we all go. It's very funny because like as we do, as my game picks come out and stuff, like all these people, it's been over the last couple of weeks, especially like with Broncos fans and all these other ones. The people on the uh, on the Instagram and all this stuff, they plead with me. They're like, Rank, if you would just stop supporting Chicago the way you do, you would be considered like one of the best analysts because you're typically you you get these upsets. You let your, you let your heart rule over, yeah. your, over and then your Chicago head. is completely just nope, not even like not even a little bit. Tyson Bajan against the 85 Bears. Give me Tyson Bate. No, uh, it's, just, it's just the way I'm going to be. And I'm like, I, but I think everybody just kind of goes along with it now. So it's fine. Um, and I forget even what my point was going to be. But, uh, <laughs> oh, well, we talk about the game. So I am like, like week one being what it is. Like, fine. Like Matt LaFleur is fair. Like, whatever. Um, the Detroit game and the Denver game. You win those two games. Like you win those two games, you're six and six. Now we would be behind the Packers for a playoff spot. We'd be tied with the Rams. And at least we would be in that picture. Even winning one of those games uh, to be five and seven. And then all of a sudden you're in the you're the in the hunt team. Because they they I don't know if you noticed, they had to take the commanders out. So we were on yeah. we were on Fantasy Live one day and they put up a graphic and like the show. It was one of our live shows, two of them Tuesday, Monday and Thursday are live. And so I'm like, why, why is, why is Washington on this list and not the bears? And the producer's like, don't say anything. I'm like, no, like the bears beat the commanders. We had the same amount of wins as them. So now, now Washington's no longer one of those teams listed in the hunt. Uh, they had it and it looks unbalanced because the AFC one has a lot more. Uh, that was me uh, causing a ruckus as I, as I do. And so I think the team is close. And so uh, I don't even know what I was saying, but it, it just seemed, no, what I'm saying is, is like, it's premature now to even talk about Eberflus. You know, I talked about at the top yeah. of the show, like Carolina could easily win three games down the stretch here. Um, Eberflus. Honestly, what goes on behind the scenes in Carolina, I'm not convinced they're going to win another game ever. Oh, is that right? Oh, did you see everything that came out about David Tepper today? No, listen. How hands on he is with football decisions. I had and no. what like and how he made Rivera switch to a three four defense and how he was the driving force was not behind the Deshaun trade like wanting to Deshaun Watson and like wow. he's the one that's like pulling a lot of the strings behind the scenes and like when you have an owner that that's that involved that doesn't that doesn't bode well. I don't wow. I don't know like that's that well, like, that's hard. Ignore everything I said at the top of the show. <laughs> Carolina's going to go. We're going to get the first overall pick. Let's take Marvin Harrison Jr. and let's go. Um, can I ask you, though, like, let me let me just put this theory out for you. I truly, like, I know that you like Eberflus. Oh, we like Eberflus. But, like, if you, if, but here's my thing. If Eberflus is going to get another year and Luke Getzey's coming back, like, you might as well then just go with Justin. Like, all right, keep it going. I think that if you have Marvin Harrison Jr., that you go at it one year, 
with Justin Fields, Marvin Harrison Jr. and DJ Moore. I know a lot of people don't don't know this and I I might be breaking news for people out there, so I want everybody to hold on to their hats. I hope you're sitting down for what I'm about to say cuz this is going to be shocking news. The Bears would be able to pick a quarterback in 2025. I know, I know. Like I this I know a lot of people are acting like this is the last season the Bears could ever draft a quarterback. And believe Think about me, what that means then. That means another year well, of if bad gonna, football. But if you're going to keep Eberflus and all these guys anyways, mm-hmm. like you might as well go. And then the next guy is going to come in and have Marvin Harrison Jr. and DJ Moore. I'm just saying Marvin Harrison Jr. should be the number one priority. Because I think that's Randy Moss. And you look at Randy that's the thing, because oh, I think there's a way to do both. Uh, if, it would involve a lot of losses on the Bears' part, so I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Again, there's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of factors into this, and again, yeah. we get, we get, we're get we way – listen, we should worry about Detroit. Let's beat Detroit and see what happens. I know people think we're stupid for wanting to win games. I still like winning football games, and uh, Sunday's my birthday, and I don't want to lose to the Lions on my birthday. Happy so I, birthday. Thank you, thank you. I told, you're, you're Sag. Yeah, Sagittarius. Yes. I'm a fall baby. I had an argument with somebody recently because I'm like, oh, I'm a fall baby. They're like, no, you're not. And I'm like, it's still fall. I know it's technically still fall, but like December everywhere in the country. I guess um, you like um, in, um, in California, in California, you can you can claim that. But like the weather has turned in Chicago. We had snow the other day. Like, oh, no, it's it's winter in December. December is winter. <laughs> All right. It's it's snowier. As well, a winter baby. Uh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a yeah. fall baby, but uh, what I was going to say, how about some questions though, Sammy? By the way, I told Tyler to catch a touchdown. I go, Tyler, you better get your first touchdown on my birthday. That would be apropos. Oh, that would be nice. But uh, Sammy, oh, sorry, Simon. Sorry to make you wait. Uh, the team can win at least four games the rest of the way. Why are Bear fans so negative as a group? Teams getting much better can win all five games. Simon, I agree with you. I love your attitude because number because first of all, we have Carolina's pick. So we're pretty much locked into the top three at the very worst. So let's just have Carolina lose. And then we should go out there and try to improve as much as possible. Now, if it saves jobs for people like Matty Refluse, so be it. I still like winning. Why are so many Bears fans so negative, Carmen? Every fan base is negative. I have the very, uh, whether you want to call it a gift or a curse, getting to you know, cover four different teams and the league as a whole. So I have a pretty like high view of all of this kind of stuff. And so you see different fan bases. I interact with four different fan bases on the regular and everybody is negative because for the most part, except for Packer fans at this point, they've turned the corner, but they were pretty down and out uh, earlier in the season too. So I will, I will say Packers fans have been pretty patient. No one on this podcast wants to hear that. However, Um, however, there has been such bad football in Chicago as someone who grew up here, like like, you're just conditioned to not expect a ton because you you can't, you never have been able to, that's why bears fans are so negative. What is, what is this bears franchise given you in my lifetime? We had one Super Bowl appearance, uh, when I was in high school and I spent like an hour after the game in the fetal position. Cause I was so upset. Like because I've finally had gotten my hopes up and you know you had the kick return by Devin Hester and I was like oh my god we're you know gonna win the Bears gonna win this and then he told like Nate Manning throws an interception on the next offensive series for them by the way people forget that no and he won he won Super Bowl MVP and And, uh, 
This is why I don't well, get to, this is why this is why I don't get to go on the Manning cast. Our our he did nothing. First of all, Dom Rhodes, Dominic Rhodes did everything for that team. Dominic Rhodes was the true MVP of that Super Bowl. This is why I need to get on the Manning cast. They need this kind of thing. I I was trying to tell Kay. I'm like, "Kay, when you get on there." But Kay's going on as a Bengals ambassador now, and I'm like, "Kay, like hit him on the like Tell I I want to be on there and just be like you know what you're Peyton Manning is personally responsible for Devin Hester not being in the Super Bowl because had the Bears won that Super Bowl there is no doubt in my mind that Devin Hester would be in the Hall of Fame right now he's the only I, think he'll, I mean I think he'll still get in though it's just gonna take a little bit longer than taking way too ballot. long yeah. way no, too agreed. long for my taste agreed. Agreed. but. I, I will say though, Simon, one of the and I saw that it was five pounds, so he must be from the UK. From the UK. Which, and I, I will I will say this. It's like it's it's why Arsenal fans appear negative, you know, because the Invincibles was 2004, and now it's been quite some time since they've been the top of the table of the Premier League. But for also for Chicago, uh, most kids grew up with Jordan winning six titles. Both the Blackhawks winning three titles in six Black, years. You're one of your baseball. The White teams. Sox won. The Cubs well, won. Yeah. So there's every team, and I would say, similar to you, unless you're old like myself, who's old enough to remember, barely uh, old enough to remember the Super Bowl twenty game. Um, yeah, most of us have not. Most of you have not seen a Super Bowl victory. Although I do, I do get a thing. Simon here goes. Simon, keep quit paying. We got you. Uh, what are the Patriots giving the fan base before Brady? Bad comparison. When we get good, we can ride the wave. This is, you know, what's funny, uh, Simon. The thing, you know, what the the Patriots gave them before Tom Brady? A forty-six to ten loss in the Super Bowl. Like that was it. <laughs> I'm gonna put this out on my Instagram because I'm a jerk. Uh, I'm gonna put up a photo of that um, of that Patriots, the old Pat the Patriot logo. Like, yeah, you know, the one when, when I when you see that logo, who do you think of? Because you know who I think of? William Perry diving into the end zone against your team. Uh, but they've they've had a pretty nice run. And I think that I agree with you. Like, it'll be nice because uh, there will be a time when the Bears get back and uh, be at the top reclaim. We've never reclaimed the north. We had the central for a while, but not the north. Um, were we the north? Wait, were we the north? No, yeah, when did that switch? No. Was, was, Lovey, was the Lovey Smith era central or north? I, I get confused. No, so we it switched in 2008. Somebody. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Like it was like maybe it was in the middle of Lovey's It was early, it was like it was in the 2000s that that, yeah, that it switched. Because yes. yeah. Because Tampa, Tampa was Bay. part of the NFL. Oh, the yeah. Tampa Bay, the, the, the NFC central rivalry. That's why there's so many great pictures of Walter Payton playing against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And uh, it was great. And that was back when we had the all white, you know, all white road uniforms. So there's a classic oh, yeah. photo. Like you can all picture it in your mind, like Walter Payton jumping over the creamsicle Buccaneers and doing all that stuff. So yeah, you know what? And it is, and it is fair. Like I think this it's is just, a, I think it's also like the Patriots thing that Simon was talking about. You need to see it before you can believe it. Like yeah. it's just, you can't get your hopes up because that's everything. The Bears, Bears fans, bless their hearts. They get their hopes up every season. And it's sure. just, you get disappointed. And so after so long, you just get conditioned to be like, all right, stuff stinks. And you just, you know, like the, sec the second something goes bad, 
you just you're like okay here we go again like that's yeah. just that's just attitude that's what it is and like being a fan is irrational like there is no like there's no reason to uh there's no reason to be a fan like really like what are we rooting for i mean it's the whole the the reason fan the fan is short for fanatical and it's like we have no like we have no impact on this and yet we take it to heart uh so much but it's great and it's one of the great things about sports now behind me that's the photo of the red lightning the uh, area the uh, area 143 top of the table champions the uh the tournament champions uh, we went to area last week didn't quite work out but we took fourth place we're very proud of them that is what i get invested in now like that's the one that breaks my heart but uh because i have a little bit even then like as a coach you're still sort of like not in control because you're like rooting for these eight-year-old girls to go out there and do this stuff but it's a uh, but it's a it's a it's a weird thing and it's and it's one of the great things about sports is like we have these irrational attachments uh and yep. it's pretty fun but you know what? Hopefully the Bears will give us a chance to not be negative so much in the future. What about another question there, Sammy? Who do we got? Sammy Ortiz. Harbaugh must be the number one priority if he does, doesn't does sign an extension with Michigan. Everflus and Getsy proved enough they won't go anywhere. Matt, uh, Matt Statwise, worst Bears coach. I mean, Sam, you're right. Like his, his win loss yeah, the worst winning percentage. Win, win loss is not a coaching stat. Oh, wait, I guess that's that probably doesn't. That doesn't make as much sense. I hate to speculate on Harbaugh because, again, I'm trying not to get too much into it. But in a perfect scenario, whether you're talking about Eric Bieniemy, even Ben Johnson uh, with Detroit, who innovator, he's going to go somewhere. He's probably going to go do a great job. He also, you know, when you talk about the Carolina Panthers, like we benefit from Ben Johnson not going to Carolina this season uh, to ensure that we had Frank Reich doing whatever he was doing down there uh, in Charlotte. So that was pretty nice. <laughs> I'm not even going to put that all on Frank Reich though. Oh no, no, no. I, I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't mean to imply that that was a Frank Reich thing by any stretch of the imagination, but I think that, I don't know, is it wrong for bears fans that if we sort of think about the coaching change that Jim Harbaugh would be the most ideal yeah, choice. It would, be, it would be a fun historical thing of Jim coming back and, and, and coaching the team that he played for and all that kind of stuff. Like, it would be great. And I I don't the Harbaugh has had some success in the league. I think that and this is just my personal like how I kind of view these things too. I want to know who your staff is. Yeah. Because Matt Eberflus on like we said, the defense is improving under Matt Eberflus. It's a lot of the issues here are offense. And it's like because you brought in an offensive coordinator who had never called plays before. And I want to know who who Jim Harbaugh is bringing in and like not, not obviously offensively, but right. I want to know like who his staff is and if he's pulling all from college or if he has some guys mixed in from the NFL. That like, there's an adjustment there too. You're you're coaching grown men versus guys that are young and impressionable and trying to mold them into men. Um, I think that any college coach would want to take an NFL job because it means you don't have to go recruiting anymore. Yeah, <laughs> recruiting is, is is a hell of a, a, a thing in in college. So I think well, that re recruiting your own players now is the most daunting thing. Right now with NIL and the transfer portal and all that kind of stuff, it's just it's it's so murky and messy and and whatever. So I wouldn't blame Jim Harbaugh for being interested in an NFL gig. I just uh, I I don't know. I think it's it's one of those things where you can't. 
what like what's the point of getting your hopes up if you don't know if the bears are actually going to part ways with Matt Eberflus? Yeah, that, and that's very true. And it's but again, it goes to some of the things that fans love to do and fans love to speculate. I will say that Harbaugh has had NFL success. Obviously, he took a team yeah. to the Super Bowl. He resurrected the career of Alex Smith. Colin Kaepernick had a great run with Jim mm-hmm. Harbaugh. So there was a lot of things going on, a lot of things that he did well. And the fact that like the 49ers had a couple of bad breaks, uh, I think back to one of the Giants Super Bowl wins can be tied to the fact there was a fumbled, a muffed punt, which allowed the Giants like that. The Giants were, or the, the 49ers were about to go to the Super Bowl to play the, the 49er, to play the Patriots uh, one year. So Harbaugh had a lot of success, which I think yeah. Matt, much more than somebody like Matt Rule coming in or somebody like that. Well, and that's the other thing, too, though, that you have to be concerned about is are the Bears going to be willing to pay somebody like Jim Harbaugh? Jim Harbaugh is not going to come cheap. He's not going to come as cheap as a guy who's this is his first shot at getting a head coaching gig. Yeah, you're paying for a track record. I saw it. I saw it in Tampa when the when the Bucks moved on from Dirk Cutter to Bruce Arians. They needed to spend more money to get Bruce because Bruce came in with a track record of success in the league. He was out of, le- of the league for one year doing his broadcasting thing, but yeah. he was still not like he was, he, as far as coaches go, he was well paid and well compensated. And his staff was also well compensated for a long time there. Todd Bowles was one of the, one of, if not the highest paid defensive coordinators in the league. So you have to make sure that the organization is willing to put up the money it takes to get a guy like Jim Harbaugh and to get a guy that, to get a staff that he would bring in with him. Yeah. Well, you know, and that's one of the things where I, I feel I differ from a lot of bears fans because I love the McCaskies. That's right. Adam rank loves the McCaskies. Put I, that, I don't dislike them. As, as much as I don't like the Packers fans love the McCaskies love Virginia and the McCaskey family, everybody. And I feel like they've, because of the things that we've seen over the last couple of years, uh, bringing in Ian Cunningham, was a huge departure from the way they had done business previously. Right. Uh, Kevin yeah, Warren, Warren now yeah. trying to build a new stadium. I think this yep. team is starting to modernize. So I agree. It is a little bit of a concern. And I think that, you know, looking back 30 years ago, this team would never do anything like that. They never hired retread coaches. They always hired the cheaper somebody out to prove themselves. I mean, Mike Dicka was a special teams coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys who like he wasn't, he wasn't like a well-known assistant, um, like the hot named assistant. Like, and I think that that ended up hurting the Bears too, because like they found success that way. So then you try yeah. and replicate that success, oh, and yeah. they've tried to do that over and over again since Mike Ditka, and it clearly hasn't worked. <laughs> yeah. Until they said like, let's bring in John Fox. This will right. be our first retread. You're like, of all the retreads, we're gonna bring in John Fox. Um, but in any event, how about another question? I got one more. I, I'm actually, because like, I know I, I, I joke about this a lot, but my, my studio is basically the old Wrigley Field where I am relying on the natural sunlight. We have not installed lights. Uh, Simon, I'm 47. I'm a Bears fan because of the 85 Bears. I'm Welsh. Okay. UK, right? Got it. Wales, Wales is in the UK, yeah. And uh, we were bad... We were bad rugby for years. Oh yeah. England dominated us. But then we are then we got oh, that's right. You got uh what's his name? Yeah, I see it right here. Gatlin yeah. and started winning grand slams. That's true. Yeah. See, this is very true. You know what's funny is uh our friend Vernon K. Uh a lot of you in the UK know Vernon. 
And uh, he's a huge Bears fan as well. I think your guys are very similar age-wise. Remembers the 85 Bears. That's where we did garner like a lot of fans from that era. And uh, and it's great. And it's, you know, listen, you you got a chance to see the greatest football team of all time. Nobody disputes that. But the thing is, is it, it's been a dry stretch. And if Rex Grossman could have hung on to a football or two, just having a second Super Bowl would be so much. I still contend. I'm curious yeah, what you think about this. I think that as massive as the Cubs celebration was, if the Bears win the Super Bowl, it is going to dwarf that. It is going to make it. It's going to make it look like Berlin playing a food for less opening. Um, it's just going to be a mat. It, it just will be the most unbelievable party of all time. As much success or as much as Chicago loves all of their sports teams. And I think it's the best sports city in, in, in the country, uh, in the U S it is a football town. And if the bears were to win that city would, this this city would go bananas. Um, That's like, it would, it would dwarf anything. Despite the fact that the Cubs had won in a hundred years and, despite the fact that the Blackhawks hadn't won in 60 something years before they had that one in 2010. And then they went on and replicate it two more times in the span of six years. I mean, that was all incredible to be a part of. I went to all of those parades. It was, the city was electric and I just know that it would be even more so in Chicago. But you think about the fans that are a lot of them that are on social media. Yeah. They're more like my age where we, I'm, 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 I'll be 35 next month. I've never seen anything like a, con- a continued run of success from the Chicago Bears. Yeah, and that's never. not, and, and again, like there are times where you could get your hopes up and you think that this team has turned a corner and then all of a sudden stuff starts to go wrong. So you kind of revert back to the like, well, same old Bears because I've never experienced the success. I've never seen a team like the 85 Bears. And like, even if I had, it probably would have been a really like a small child. Yeah, you would. Um, but that team still permeates throughout the city. But it's kind of you know, it's a historical team. It's not, it's not something that you can really stand on, especially with like this day and age where ever you know you have success being rubbed in your face from other teams online all the time. All the time. <laughs> yeah, it might it might as well be Gettysburg because I do a show on Sundays for NFL Digital Media. Uh, Leslie Frazier's on the show and I freak out. Cause I always I'm like, Oh my God, Leslie Frazier's here. And then like people right. like uh, the Italian guy who's on the uh, fantasy life, what's his name again, but whatever. Like, I'm like, do you know what team Leslie Frazier played? And he's like, Leslie, he's, he knew him as the bills defensive coordinator. I'm like, I hate, right. I hate the kids. Uh, no, but um, he was in Tampa was, too before I got there, but he, he was, was there. He was I ended up with a hoodie. I ended up with a hoodie of Leslie Frazier's that had his little name tag nice. in it because nice. Dirk's son gave it to me because I used to have to scrounge for like team issue gear because they didn't give us anything. Of course. Um, so I would like scrounge for anything I get my hands on, and I had a hoodie that like once belonged. <laughs> yeah. You talk about somebody who escaped from Carolina himself. Uh props to Leslie Frazier, although it didn't yeah. work out for him in Buffalo. You know, Leslie Frazier was one of the front runners for uh the Bears job. A couple of yeah. uh you know, it was funny because we keep talking about that. I'm like, yeah, I've, I've tried to ask him and I try to be cool about it. And I'm like, who would have, who would have been your offensive coordinator? Who, who, who are we looking at? Like who are, I'll, I'll get to the bottom of that, but uh, you know, I'll be with, Le- I think Leslie will be on the show Sunday. I hope he will be, or maybe it's Dave Shaw. I don't know. Dave Shaw is not as Dave Shaw is great. Not as fun as Leslie Frazier. 
So we sit there and talk 80. We chop it up about the 85 Bears, much to the consternation of everybody else on the set. But uh, it is what we do. But listen, we got, we're running out of time. I'm going to go teach my class. Uh, like, you're running out of daylight. Running out of daylight as well. We're going to call this game. Uh, Ryan Sandberg is at the plate. Uh, Ryan Sandberg was a fan. Yeah, so I have this little thing that just clips it's, on. My... It's, it's right here. I didn't plug it in because I thought I had enough light. Um, I saw my, well, I got to be, uh, when I do GMFB in the morning, I'll be on the uh, green screen. Oh, that's what I was going to say too. I can't wait. If I'm still with the NFL network, I can't wait for the Bears to win the Super Bowl and uh, they fly Kyle Brandt out there first class. And then uh, I'll I'll be arriving there like planes, trains, and automobile uh, with the late John Candy taking me through Sheboygan as uh, I somehow make it. Kyle Brandt will be there with his quaffed hair, and I'll just be on my iPhone. Be like, hey, everybody, this is me. But I'll be down with the people, with the fans, uh, and I'm looking forward to that. But, Carmen, I want to thank you so much. Uh, great to talk to you again. Uh, sorry that we didn't connect last week. That's Tyler Scott's fault. I was gonna he, say I got bumped for Tyler. I get it. Was, Tyler's amazing. So he was like, I can't. Fine. I know her like, feelings. He he heard what you said about Jordan Love, and he just couldn't cut. No, just joking. Um, but we thank you for coming on. It's always a great time to talk to you. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. Uh, enjoy Las Vegas. Give our love to the city, and uh, we'll see you then. Okay. Oh, you know, I'll just I'll, I'll send it off for both of us. Uh, for Carmen, I'm Adam. Uh, this was a sick podcast. Take it to the rank, Sammy. Go ahead and play us out and bear down. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Adam Rank on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. Brought to you by Underdog Fantasy.